0: Hello, and welcome to HIPOD, Essential Listening for the Business of Healthcare. In this episode, I interview Bhavna Keen Rao from BKR Consultancy to discuss how we retain foreign nursing staff in a country rife with post Brexit uncertainty and a growing reputation for not being exactly welcoming to foreigners. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, Bhavna. Perhaps to start, you could just introduce yourself and and your background in the sector so far.
1: Thank you, Ploy, for inviting me. My name is Bab Makin Rao. I am the founder, member and director of BKR Care Consultancy. My background is Care Quality Commission for 23 odd years. Yes, before it became CQC, it was all the other bits and pieces, including inspection unit back in the days. So I've been around a bit. Set up the consultancy uh, with my partner, two thousand and ten, and here we are.
0: Great. Well, the theme of today's episode is where we're talking about how to how to retain foreign staff within the country. Particularly important topic, given the the, the dire levels of staffing facing many care homes. Um, from your point of view what's what's the situation now what are you seeing when you're working with providers
1: it's interesting it's twofold I mean before the Brexit we still had the issues about staff from overseas coming in and uh, Eastern European staff coming in and they provide a very essential service for a number of care providers they do the jobs that nobody else seems to want to do so that that's the important backdrop we've since Brexit, it seems to have heightened somewhat. So you've got the care staff, but also the nursing staff. We've got a crisis in nursing and, you know, everyone knows what's going on. But you've got the care staff crisis now as well. number of providers are saying just to recruit care staff is getting harder and harder. Providers are being much more creative. They're actually doing salaries rather than hourly rates. They're trying to entice people with um, providing them, if they pick up any additional shifts, they pay them an extra pound per hour for additional shifts. So people are being creative, but they're still finding issues of concerns. I know the government's trying to help by, you know, we can have delegated tasks now, so nurses can actually train up some of the senior staff to perform some of the tasks under their watchful gaze. So we've got all of that as a backdrop And I think we've come, again, to a crisis point where we haven't got enough uh, professional bodies to fill the gaps, and I think that that is a real issue, and I think providers are struggling. ANCA, for example, have decided not to have any nursing care now. They've just gone pure residential because of that. So the onus then becomes for the district nurses to come and support, the community nurses to come and support the care homes. Again, it doesn't take away the problem.
0: Um, Post Brexit, have you seen a more acute problem in terms of retaining foreign staff? Not necessarily just EU staff. Perhaps people from other countries around the world feeling like this is a country that that doesn't welcome foreigners.
1: Interestingly, a few days after the Brexit vote, I think everyone was in state of shock. But we were um, supporting a care, a distress service. And I had a phone call from uh, one of the deputy managers saying that we've had an infighting. Some of the staff had actually turned on some of the Philippine staff and saying you've got to go out now, you've got to leave the country because you know when we don't want you. It was quite sad to see that. A the ignorance because you know Philippines isn't anywhere near Europe, but that's another story. But the fact that it gave people. Uh, an opportunity to say things like that and I've, we've seen a rise in that it's settled somewhat but it's still there and I think a number of people have left and I know a number of care providers have said that they are losing staff because why would somebody stay if there's uncertainty about their future so they are going back to you know uh, the, the, the countries that they came from it's a shame because I think we are struggling now And until we have a certain, you know, this is what's going to happen, great. Also, we're not able to entice people from other countries. And I know a number of providers have gone out, say, for example, in South India, um, a couple of providers I know have gone and recruited staff. They're actually being quite creative because there is a problem of training staff. The, the, The issues of how do they know what the culture is here? That's really important because there is a cultural difference. Whichever country you come from, there's bound to be cultural differences. We just don't train our staff well enough to enable them to have that transition. And I think we set them up to fail then. And I think that's my biggest concern is that we can, even if we do bring them in, we entice them and we give them packages, but then we don't support them enough for that transition.
0: Um, picking up on your point of the, the cultural differences, you mean, uh, there's obvious ways providers can entice people in around pay, etc. But what can UK providers do to make that transition to a new culture easier for someone coming from another country?
1: I think induction is really, really absolutely critical because we need to teach our nursing staff and our care staff. What is it that, you know, we don't teach people, we ask them to do training on... Um, English, written English, or writing, you can muddle along with that, but we don't teach them the, the, the normal day-to-day language skill. So for example, you know, would you like a cup of tea? How are you feeling today? Holding somebody's hand? It's the non-verbal that goes with the verbal that I think we sometimes fail people on, and that could be cultural. When you have a straight translation from one language to English, It may appear and sound quite abrupt. We've had complaints about staff who are rude. They're not. It's just a straight translation from one language to another. And I think if we support staff through that, that could work. And I think so the induction bit is really, really critical and supporting them through that. So it may be that you invest a bit more, just those two, three weeks, and then you really can benefit the rewards of it.
0: And are there any other things you can do apart from that induction phase? Is it about sort of setting up little groups for people to join? Or?
1: I think mentoring is really critical. I mean, you know, I, I'm i a firm believer that you educate people and teach people and train people through uh, role modelling. So you, you have them shadow you. You then bring up and then create little groups and networking group so that, you know, we've got these... The discussions going on between staff so if one staff is feeling vulnerable they can go and talk to another one but it has to be done in a very safe way you have to make it so that it's not a blame culture and i think unfortunately we still run very much through blame but then that's overall societal you know the regulator works on a blame culture everyone works on a blame culture until we stop that we are going to have problems the other bit i think that concerns me is the ethical uh, dilemma. If you've got an overseas member of staff and they whistleblow and the provider finds out, we have seen where they're sent back home because their visas are um, are terminated and they go back home. Well, if you're supporting a family back home, why on earth would you whistleblow and jeopardise that? I get the right thing to do. But ethically, there's a moral dilemma there as well. So we have to respond to that and support the staff through those issues. We have to stop blaming and actually nurturing. Yes, when there are issues, you have to take responsibility, accountability, train people, uh, nurture the good culture. But until we start doing that, we're going to keep on failing.
0: Do you think the situation will improve? Are you seeing a lot of positive movements by providers to improve this?
1: Providers have no option but to change. So I think that some of the provi- many of the providers that I'm seeing are trying to nurture the positive behaviours. And I think that, that's got to be a win-win.
0: Great. Well, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to HIPOD. If you found this episode interesting and want to hear more insights on the business of healthcare, you can subscribe via healthinvestor.co.uk.